and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 on the FM dial. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller, and we're with you for the next couple of hours and appreciate you spending some of the morning here with us. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list, it looks like this on a Tuesday. We are going to start out with our friend Michael Swain. He covers Iowa State uh, 24-7 Sports. By the way, 24-7 Sports put out their first preliminary bull projections for this upcoming season. Did you look at it this weekend? I have not. Maybe we'll dip into that before we get Michael Swain. But he'll join us at about 1025. Uh, Jam on at events if you've uh, listened to the radio, this show, or any of the iHeart stations over the last month or so. You may have heard about the event coming up in Des Moines, a girls AAU event and a boys. Matt Williams, a sponsored segment, but he'll join us for five minutes here at about 1045. Uh, I'm going to duck out for the 11 o'clock hour. Trent We'll have John Bowen camp uh, to kick off hour number two. And I'm jealous. Well, I'm jealous of both of them. I love John Bo- speaking with John Bowen camp, especially the Dodgers. Trent, they've lost two in a row. Well, hit the panic button. You know, that will not happen with Bowen camp. No, indeed. They'll uh, be fine. And that's exactly what he's going to say. And then Matt Manasarian is going to join you for the final time. He's been great for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sports Info Solutions leading up to the draft, and this will be his final preview uh, of what maybe we can uh, we'll see on uh, Thursday night. So that's the program for today. Absent from the guest list, and since he went public with it, uh, I think we can share it. Our, our friend Zubin Mahente is going through a real health scare right now. Right. Yeah. And uh, Zubin was gone for a couple of weeks with us and off his radio show, ESPN Mornings. And then he came back for a week, and he joined us last week, because that's what Zubin does. Uh, he remembers the, the cities he passed through, and he's, he's grown very fond of Des Moines. Um, but he's got, he's been uh, diagnosed with diabetes. And it's, it's at, I mean, how old is Zubin? 40? Is he your age? He is a year older than me, so he's 42. 42. Yeah. So at that, at that point in life, and I have no idea, and you can get diabetes right up to the bitter end, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, but that's... Um, but that's what Zubin's going through right now. So our, our thoughts are certainly uh, with him um, as he tries to battle this. But he's going to be off his radio show for To Be Determined. Right. And we are certainly uh, hope that that's uh, uh, shorter rather than longer because he's a pro's pro and will miss him selfishly. But... Um, Get well, Zuba Mahente. That's that's first and foremost. So that's the guest list for today. Baseball from yesterday, and we'll get to that, I'm sure, at some point here in the first segment. Chris Bryant is playing exceptionally well uh, in a contract year. Kimbrell, uh, Bryant, just keep doing your thing. Yeah. What does that mean, though? Trade. I know that that's... Look, Cappy, last week, it was the first one. To, I mean, I hadn't heard this. Uh, Cappy mentioned the fact that, because we all just believe, right? Trade deadline's going to come and Chris mm-hmm. Bryant's going to wear another uniform. Who are they going to sign, Cappy? Well, they got to get rid of Rizzo. 
The fans love Baez. Seems like Chris Bryant's the odd man out, and Cappy said otherwise. So, by the way, he will join us tomorrow, so we'll wait for more on that uh, coming up later on. Uh, but the big news, obviously, from yesterday, Trent, was the, uh, well, Dick's Hoops Weiss was right. <laughs> he had this. Yes, he did on Saturday night, and he tweeted that, um, that Jordan Bohannon is coming back to Iowa, and uh, Jordan Bohannon quickly followed that tweet up by asking who his source was. <laughs> I don't know if Hoops even saw the uh, the reply to his tweet or not, but he was right at the end of the day. Uh, Jordan Bohannon yesterday uh, made it official that he's coming back to the University of Iowa for his sixth season. Um, we ended our show yesterday discussing what we kind of felt was Jordan Bohannon fatigue amongst the Hawkeye fan yep. base. I wonder if the fact that he is back on board with this team, that he's going to be a Hawk, I wonder if some of those kind of uh, critics, naysayers, folks that had had enough of his uh, career uh, are feeling differently today. Or is it? are they still, you know, it's time to move on? I think there are two growing factions. And I, w- I was surprised... I thought there would be more blowback yesterday. I really was because, Ken, you and I have heard these people. Mm-hmm. They have been prominent in the online conversations <laughs> about him, the possibility of him coming back. Uh-huh. And this all started with, well, I'm going to come back as long as name, image, and likeness passes in the state of Iowa. We know that didn't happen. It didn't even get to the floor, but that was the first conversation. When that happened, and I think the way that it came out that way soured a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So... I think that yeah, was there's a, a lot of shut up and dribble. Right. There yes, really is. Absolutely. That was a big part of it. I, I uh-huh. think that's where a lot of the negativity came from. How much does this change, though, what happened last week with C.J. Frederick? Oh, it's huge, Trent. The fact that C.J. Frederick left, he came out and said Fran McCaffrey re-recruited him. Mm-hmm. Without that happening, this isn't happening. Bohannon I, isn't coming back. I don't think he is either. This is a guy that, let's be honest, he could be a pain in the ass. He is very mouthy both on the court and off of it, mm-hmm. and for a coaching staff, for a fan base. I don't know if mouthy's the right word. I'm not sure I'd go with mouthy. You don't think he's mouthy? Well, he's... He, he likes speaks, the jaw. Yeah, he does. He says his piece. He's, you know, he's, he's not a typical sound bite. Right, yes. He's uh, not like Luca was. Right. He, yeah. Yeah, Luca's not going to take his shoes off at Hilton and sign them and thanks for the memories, yeah, right? Right, right? That's not going to happen. Um, and, he, and he gets to go back there again. Yes. Uh, I mean, how special is that? Potentially. Um, I'm not mouthy, opinionated. Opinionated. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's a kinder, gentler right. way of putting it. But that's a part of the persona. Uh-huh. That's also a guy that you've said it many times. One of your favorite moments. No, your, the favorite moment. In your quarter century uh-huh. of doing this. Uh-huh. Is Jordan Bohannon missing the free throw on purpose? Yes to keep Chris Street's name in the record books. You'll never see a classier moment. And that one, I feel like some of that shine is off. Uh-huh, I do too. As his career went on. Not with me, but with the fans. Yes, right. which is surprising because in that moment, it felt like this guy was going to be an old-timer. Uh-huh. That is going to be beloved in Iowa fandom. And that's not the case. No, it's far from it. It's not the case. Right. There was an excitement that... Though Iowa basketball is not anticipated to be very good this year. They're not going to be a two seed. I don't think they're going to be an NCAA tournament team. But it was going to be a different look. After five years of Jordan Bohannon running the point Mm -hmm. and his limitations as a, especially a defensive player. Sure. People were excited to see something different. 
to see Joe Toussaint, to see Aaron Euless, to see those kind of players, an athletic, good defensive point guard, and a guy that could get to the rim better, better off the bounce, to see, you know, Fran McCaffrey's going to have a good offense, what difference they could look on the defensive end with a guy like that. And now he's coming back. But not as the point guard. Not as the point guard. Do you believe this, though? That sure doesn't look like a two to me, Trent. No, there's not many six one hundred seventy pound two guards in the Big Ten. Yeah, you just wonder does he does he have another step to gain based on the fact that he had the injuries? Mm-hmm. I mean, another year. I'm not saying he's going to be appreciably quicker by any means, but can right. be a little bit. He was a he played so much better defensively until that last game. Over yeah. the last month of the season, yeah. how many but times did, did we come in? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. but especially Bohannon. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was, he was actually giving effort. Mm -hmm. He was giving effort on the defensive end, something that didn't happen a lot throughout the first part of his career. It felt like he understood that the Zane was coming through the hourglass and the time was ending, and you got to do it on both ends of the floor. The Oregon game, I think, also paints a very negative picture of Bohannon. Well, speaking of negative, the only really negative blowback I heard, and it has to do with that Oregon game, with that little hype video that he's coming back, uh-huh. somebody in the replies to that tweeted, I noticed you didn't put any Oregon highlights in there. Right, yeah. <laughs> Easy to do, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a layup. Yeah, right, absolutely. That one was ugly. Played 19 minutes. And do you think that also played a part going out that way? Look, well, you can you look at the pictures of him on the bench right, at the yeah. end of it. And seemingly that was going to be the way, that was going to be the last memory of him in a Hawkeye uniform. Remember our conversation that I don't think anybody else talked about. He's not playing. Yeah. And, and as they're making the comeback, it was Luca in the yeah. reserves. It was Luca right. and P. Mac and Tony Perkins and that group mm-hmm. that was out there late in the game. Frederick and Bohannon and Connor. Staple to the bench. They were all sitting there looking dejected as that was happening. I think that's a piece of it, too. Him as a two-guard. Can it work? I don't know. I don't think so. I I just have this feeling it will revert back to what it has mm-hmm. been. Game one, when they're taking on Savannah State. Yes, yes. <laughs> Athletes in action. Right. It will be... Are they still the thing, by the way? I don't think so I don't anymore. think so either. Yeah. But it will be Tucson or Ulis. Pick your choice at point guard. Yep. Bohannon will be listed as the two. Yep. The rest of the starting lineup is what? Finish it off. Keegan. Yeah, for sure. Uh... Rebracha. Yes. Agree. And uh-huh. y- you get the fifth. Uh, do I have to? Is it PMAC? I think. I think so. Just based on the way the season ended. He played so well he did late down in the, the year. stretch. Yes. He is. And he's 6'9. He's 6'9. Mm-hmm. And when you're playing a backcourt of Tucson and Bohannon, mm-hmm. you got a little more length in, in those three and four positions. That can, that can certainly change things. I think that's where I would be right now. Who wins the point guard job? Euless or Tucson? Uh, My first instinct was Tucson. Um, I'll stick, I'll go with Tucson. And I think you'll be right initially. Right. I will certainly not be surprised if by the time we get to February Mm -hmm. that Euless is a starting point guard. I know a lot of people are enamored with Joe Tucson, the athleticism, the quickness, and, and you see that at times. But even when he's been given extended minutes, there are times, and go back to two seasons ago, where they really needed him. I think even needed him more than this year. And there are just times you couldn't play him. You mm-hmm. just couldn't play him because you knew right away he was going to be awful. And how many of those games that he went out there and played four or five minutes just because he was he was terrible 
for those little stretches that he had. He, you're right. Will, will it change the fact, Trent, that at least in the beginning that that's his spot? Not that he doesn't not have looking to, over his shoulder. Right, like, yeah. if, I mean, I don't know. Um that he's that he's not going to have to make an impact when he gets those minutes, and he's going to try too hard to make some things happen. Let's get kind of let the game, the flow of the game, come to him. We'll we'll see, mm-hmm. we'll see. Look, as I've said all year long, this was this this. Year, I can't criticize anybody after this year. Right. I really and truly can. Grateful that they sucked it up and entertained the hell out of us, whether mm-hmm. it was on the football field or on the basketball court. Um, we all had sacrifices, right? But they made a really good one as far as we're concerned, and I'm grateful for it. So if he wants to come back, and he does for his sixth year, I know that, I mean, something you said at the end of the, at the very end of our show, maybe right after our, you made your picks or beforehand, we were talking about the Bohannon fatigue that we sensed was real. The fact you said something about, I think there's some Hawkeye fans that are worried he's going to or, uh, organize a boycott. Yes, yeah. I think that's a real issue, too. Mm-hmm. Because he's meeting with Mark Emmert, and he's mm-hmm. very uh, quick to, to go to Twitter and to... And look, there's nothing wrong with transparency. I wish there was more of it in the world. Um, and, and he lets us, you know, not at the board table that they're meeting at or the Zoom that they're meeting at, but he gives us a little glimpse into that, the fact that there was no women invited. Um, and, and him and... Um, oh, uh, Geo Baker, right? right From, yep. uh, he was the other one that was involved. Uh, kind of the, the two, I don't know, figureheads, if you will. Look, name image is likeness is coming. He's kind of like the Northwestern quarterback. Remember that wanted to start yeah. the union? Zane. No. No. I don't remember. Coulter? Who, uh, yeah, I can't pull it out right I think it was Coulter. But it's the Northwestern quarterback yes. that wanted to, to form a union for call. And that was kind of the first, not domino to fall, but the first time we'd heard about this. Uh, the, the students realizing their worth, and if there was ever a year for the for the their worth to be driven home and to be magnified, it was this year, right? Because they didn't have to play, mm-hmm. they didn't have to. It was a pandemic, uh, but we needed them, and they and and players realized that yeah, they, we do have a value here. Of course, there's value in in getting a scholarship. Of course, there's value in playing our sport, therefore earning looks from professional teams and potentially paving the way to riches for playing a kid's game. But sadly, there's very few that get that opportunity. But Bohannon and company realized, and he was kind of uh, one of the uh, folks on Front Street for that. And I think a lot of Hawk fans, the the folks out there, and it's still, I don't know if it's a majority who think that they shouldn't get a scholarship or should get nothing, be happy with the desk in the corner of the room. That's all you get. Yeah. That's all I got. I've got student loans. Well, you're no different. Well, yeah, you are different than me. Um, but I think it's that, that that group is still very vocal. And I think that those are the folks that are worried that somehow Jordan Bohannon and, air quote, his like are going to ruin college sports as we know them. King Coulter was the... Was it Coulter? Was okay. the uh, name we were looking yeah. for from Northwestern. I, I think it is a very relevant point. I think it's a real concern, too. Getting your team, your university, your athletic department in these conversations, can it be a detriment? Or would it be a positive if something like that happened? Let's let's just say they're playing an exempt tournament. Let's take the NCAA tournament out of it. They're, they're going out and they're playing an MSG in one of those four-teamers in November. And they're getting ready to take the floor against Syracuse. And... Iowa doesn't show up. <laughs> yeah, ESPN's ready yeah. to broadcast it. Yeah, how that would dominate mm-hmm. the airwaves mm-hmm. from 
what we do, mm-hmm. to PTI, to Sports Center, and mm-hmm. on and on and on. That conversation, and then what's the end game? You know, what does that right. mean? This is a regular season game. This is not anything that impacts the bottom line for the NCAA. Is the only way to really get their attention to sit out an NCAA tournament game. Rutgers was incredibly close. There are stories out uh-huh. there of not playing their first round game. Their first round game, by the way, that they won for their first tournament win in over 30 years. They almost didn't play that one. They were that close. If these types of things and these conversations that are important conversations, yes, but I know there's a lot of fans, important conversations for somebody else, not right. for my team. Let's just kick the can down yeah. the road. Yeah. Rutgers, yeah, right. do your thing. Right. Syracuse, they're fine. Right. UCLA wants to be all sacrimonious. Go for it. Not my team. Right. Yeah, look, at, uh, if it happened, it'd certainly be a big talker. If I could have my preference, it wouldn't be one of the needle movers in our state to participate in this. Because uh, we like talking about games. Yeah, we do. I don't like the other stuff. I mm-hmm. just don't. Anyways. Uh, so Jordan Bohannon is back. What that means, well, we shall see. And, and what does that mean to the roster? What Fran McCaffrey is going to do? He can't be finished, right? No, I think they're... You need at least one more piece. So say this goes, comes to fruition, and, and Bohannon is at best a third point guard, if you will. He's going to play majority of his minutes at the two and play mm-hmm. 20 to 25 minutes a game there. All right. You got your point guard spot. You got the rest of the team. And let's say they don't add anybody else. Is this an NIT team? Is this well, I wanna, a 500 team? Yes, I think they're a 500 team. Yeah. Not knowing what's, I mean, not knowing what the rosters are going to look like as they're still in flux right now. Uh, I want to think that this team can get to 500. It's kind of where I am. It, don't think they're going to be great. No, but Keegan's got. I mean, Keegan's got another. He'll have that year under his belt. And how good is Chris? I, I can't wait to find out. Well, Chris Murray, even if he is a tick below his brother, mm-hmm. they're still twins that were yes. always considered incredibly close. Chris is more of a perimeter-oriented player. All right, need some more shooting. That could help. They still bring in Sanford. Sanford can do one thing at an elite level, and that's shoot the basketball. Well, they still need some shooters out there. The big bodies, Mulvey. He's not ready offensively, but no. defensively. Did you see the tweet? Somebody put this out that uh, Riley Mulvey was in sixth grade when Jordan Bohannon put a Hawkeye uniform on for the first time. I saw that. Isn't that just... That's crazy. It's unthinkable. Yeah, it's crazy. Here we are. Yeah. And, uh, Bohannon gets his sixth year and Mulvey reclassifies yeah. and gives up a year. So I think there's a chance. What, if you had your wish list, what would be the final piece that you would add to this Iowa basketball roster? Uh, a shooter. A shooter. Yeah. You're looking for yeah. a backup to Bohannon at the two? Uh, yep. Okay. Yep. Because I still, I am so enamored with Tony Perkins. I, that guy, his athleticism, mm-hmm. and, and that's a guy, we've talked a lot about C.J. Frederick, and the reason I like C.J. so much is he didn't back down. I think there's a lot of that in Tony Perkins, too. Mm-hmm. You saw him come into big moments, and he wasn't scared of the spot. I almost don't want to take minutes away. I think it's another big body. Yeah, I, so what do you expect from Rebraca? Look, put the tape on in the Minnesota game. He, he, led, mm-hmm. he led both teams in scoring. Dude's going to play hard. I, this is a really good get, I think. He's going to rebound yep. at a good level. Yep. It's going to be Luca Garza. Right. It's going to be a lot more physical. He is, I saw somebody equate it much like Ryan Creener. That works. Yeah. Not a star, uh-huh. but a nice, solid, big body. Mm-hmm. And Creener also had to deal with Garza in there, taking up a lot of the space mm-hmm. that he normally would like. That's not going to be the case. I think another center, another a traditional center, the NAIA kid that we've heard a lot about 
If there's one maybe player left that I would add to the roster, I think it would be him. You could go big at times with him and Rabracha. Uh, is uh, how it's That's pronounced. That's how you pronounce it. together. Philippe? Yes. Yeah. You, Philippe Rabracha. Right. Uh, and you play those two guys together a little bit, I think that would be a possibility that they can do. The combinations are fun to think about, and this is going to be, I think, still a different team, even with Bohannon out there. Just get the postseason. Yeah. Get the postseason, whether it's the NIT or the mm-hmm. NCAA. It's a realistic I think so. I think when Shelby Mast is joining us and talking about that bubble, I think I was going to be one of those last four ins, last four out. Are they in solidly? Oh, that hurt. That type of discussion as the calendar turns from February into the month of March. All right. We've got uh, our, we're going to switch gears entirely, talk Iowa State. Tyler Harris into the transfer portal got whispers last week that perhaps potentially there was one more cyclone uh, yet to leave, and uh, that shoe dropped yesterday. Tyler Harris going back to Memphis. Caleb Grill can go home. Why yeah. can't Tyler Harris, right? And he did. And we'll talk to Michael Swain about that. We'll also get in 24-7's uh, bull projections. It was their first go. Uh, do you want me to let you know where Iowa is, according to 247? Well, I'm going to guess Outback Bull. No, close. I mean, it's they're going back to what was taken away from them last year. They're going to get Nashville. That's a good spot. It is a great spot. You know what else it would work perfectly? It would work perfectly for you and I, if, assuming that everybody's traveling at that point. Mm-hmm. We will be, because I am in two weeks. Not that I'm the, you know, the barometer of whether it's safe to go or not. But it seems like we're, we're close, folks. Mm-hmm. Just keep... Stay vigilant. We're really close. So... Do the Nashville gig, then jump in the car and head to the state of Georgia. State of Georgia? Uh-huh. In late December? Nope. Early January? Yep. What's happening? Well, Iowa State's playing Georgia, of course, in the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> wow. Or is that New Orleans, the Sugar? It is. It's New Orleans, yeah. right, right, That would right. be the Peach. Peach. Uh, yeah, no, but I think that's, I'm pretty sure they were in the sugar, so that All would right. be New York, but it's against Georgia. I enjoy Bourbon Street. That sounds good to me. Nashville and New Orleans, that's a pretty good week. That's not a bad one, is it? I think that's a drivable distance, It is, right? yes. Uh, we will take a time out, but not before we give you another opportunity. We've got a $1,000 home run. What do we have from last night? Yeah. Hanging breaker. Right field. It's good. Walks it off yesterday against Northwestern 12-9 on the walk-off from uh, Iowa City native and, and City High alum, Brett McCleary. How about that? I heard the ping. Yes. I knew we weren't in the bigs. <laughs> right. Um, good for Iowa. I was playing good did baseball. You, did you watch any of that yesterday? Did. Watched a little bit, and seemingly every time I turned it on, much like the Twins, every time I turned it on, they'd give up a lead. That was happening with the Hawks. the Twins trend from start to finish yesterday. Yuck. As soon as they got to the extra innings, I knew. Now what are they? 0-5 in extras? 0-6, I believe. 0-6 now? Brutal. Michael Swain, 24-7 sports on Iowa State. Uh, that's coming up next. Miller and Condon with you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 106 Oral Labor Road in Ankeny. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, 1030. Wow, we've made you wait for it. The key word. It's here. And it is? Deposit at kxno.com. We had a winner in the building. Was it yesterday? Yeah. Another winner in the building yesterday, WHO. 
uh, is uh, one of their listeners is going to get a thousand dollar deposit uh, coming their way, and that's the keyword this hour. Go to kxno.com, enter deposit for your chance to win a thousand dollars. That's deposit. Let's talk Iowa State, shall we? Michael Swain, twenty four seven sports, twenty four seven sports. First bowl projections are out at the website. Michael Swain joins us to talk about what's going on with those cyclones. Uh, hello, Michael Trenton. Ken, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for uh, having me on again. No, listen, we appreciate what you bring to the show. You're always prepared, and we appreciate that. So let's get to, we'll save the bull projections for a second. I like looking at them. I I do. (laughs) Giving us an idea of where maybe the two teams that move the needle here in our state may end up uh, after the regular season is completed. But let's start basketball. Tyler Harris is, I have to think, the maybe the last um, of the roster from last year to decide to move on, in his case, back to Memphis where he was. Uh, do you get the sense that Tyler Harris will be the last uh, player from last year's roster to decide that um, they're going to go elsewhere? Um, yeah, I think of the current guys that are with the team right now. I do think maybe the attrition period going out is over. Obviously, Tyler Harris headed back to Memphis, Darlington Dubar. Um, I believe is headed to uh, Dartmouth, I want to say. Oh, I might be wrong on that. Um, but I know Darlington Dubar already announced where he's headed. We're still waiting to hear back on you know, Jalen Coleman-Lands, Rasir Bolton, and then Dudley Blackwell in terms of the outgoing guys. But in terms of the guys that are on the roster right now, I think things are pretty set in stone in terms of who's leaving. Of course, things could change with the offseason, who's mm-hmm. brought in, and things like that could change it. But I think in terms of the faces you see on the Iowa State roster right now, I think we'll be on that roster come the fall. What about uh, terms of open scholarships now? Uh, still plenty of names out there. How involved are they at this point, and how many new names do you anticipate added to the roster? Yeah, so right now they have one open scholarship. Um, I wrote about this on the website a little bit yesterday, kind of depending on maybe what avenues Iowa State could go with, kind of with that last roster spot, because – at the moment, it seems like I think there are really two big needs. You know, you probably need a veteran guard to help with, you know, right now it's a younger team in terms of the overall experience. So I think adding someone that has, you know, two, three years of starting experience would really help Iowa State just in terms of being able to compete on a consistent basis, set the culture of the team and things like that. I know Iowa State's been in, in contact um, with Isaiah Brockington out of Penn State. Um, he's one I believe they've contacted multiple times since he entered the transfer portal. Uh, about 10 days ago, I want to say. So he would probably fit the need of a veteran guard. But I think you also look at the roster and the shooting aspect of things is a little bit under par in terms of the overall averages of some of the guys. You know, Of course, Caleb Grill shot really well at UNLV last year, but he wasn't great from beyond the arc You know, at Iowa State. Gabe Kalsher saw his three-point percentage go from in the low 40s down to dropped all the way down to like 25% as a junior. So I think shooting would be another need that Iowa State has but in terms of the names that are out there, you know, I think Isaiah Brockington is the one that Iowa State's been in contact with. Well, that would certainly uh, get some folks' attention because he was a big piece of that uh, uh, team, Penn State team last year. He played a lot of minutes. What are the chances of landing him? And do you have any idea who the biggest competition uh, for Iowa State will be when it comes to Brockington, Michael? Yeah, I think Arkansas is one that's in on him right now. And, man, it feels like, you know, Iowa State's been in on a few transfers, but it seems like Arkansas is just consistently in on so many of these guys that I think that they're probably a player there. But 
I think really Iowa State would be in a good spot if they do end up wanting to kind of pursue him really heavily. And at this point, I'm not sure necessarily how how hard the staff is going after him in particular. You know, it's not something like I was able to mention Tristan Aruna a couple times mm-hmm. on the show with you guys, but yep. I wouldn't say that it seems like they're going after him at that level right now. Of course, things could change, and they could pick up that pursuit here in the coming days. But I think right now, I think Iowa State, if they were to pursue him, I think they'd have a really good shot. You know, this is your second year now on the Iowa State beat, Michael, and Iowa State football, it's incredibly difficult to really get any kind of information. It is, (laughs) we used to joke up way back in the day about Fort Kinnick and you're not going to get anything. It feels like Iowa State football has gone to another level. For somebody new on the beat, how difficult has it been, plus dealing with the pandemic, kind of navigate and get some information inside the walls of uh, Fort Jack Trice now? Yeah, it's definitely a little challenging. I think not being able to meet people in person has definitely impacted that. You know, I think about my time on the Kansas beat and being at camps and being at pro days, you have opportunities to just get to know people, you know, personally. And I think having the pandemic definitely, I think, limits the face-to-face contact. But uh, I think the program does a good job of keeping information pretty quiet as well. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you think about, you know, for example, someone like Latrell Banks and leaving the team, there hasn't really been a, a real clear explanation for, why he decided to leave, which at some other programs, maybe that would have been floated or that would have been put out there in some way or another. And it doesn't seem like that's happened for at least that case. So it's, of course, challenging, but, you know, obviously no complaints here. You know, I get to cover sports for a living, so right. it's great. And I think we'll we'll get there as time goes on. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, that one, I think, uh, caught everybody off guard because seemingly he enjoyed his time at Iowa State. He certainly made some impact plays. The game against Texas, certainly one of them. And you just thought that... Uh, I don't know, maybe the sky wasn't quite the limit, but certainly had a very bright future at Iowa State coming back this year. But he's not, so we we move on. So as far as the football program, this is their final week, I believe, uh, of, of spring football. I have no idea how many practices they have left. They can't have many. What do they hope to get? What are they still looking to accomplish in the final few days of spring football, Michael? Yeah, it's been a lot of the same stuff. You know, we're going to have an opportunity here this week to talk to both uh, Tom Manning and John Haycock, the defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. And then we'll talk to Matt Campbell, I believe, Thursday, I want to say, this week. So it'll be interesting to see what maybe the coordinators and Coach Campbell have to say uh, about the spring because the overall messaging has been pretty consistent, that it's going to be kind of uh, a lighter spring in terms of the physical load that they're going to put on the players and that they're going to focus a lot on some of the technique, fundamentals, things like that, um, to where when the fall comes around, you know, and you do get in kind of the grind in the season and you kind of have to revert back to just your fundamentals and technique that that's all honed and really perfected so that when those moments do come and you are tired and you really, your body just reacts that you're reacting in the right ways. So it seems like it's really been a consistent messaging, not only from the coaches, but I think the players too. And they've really enjoyed it from the opportunities we've gotten to talk to different players from each position group. And each one has really, I think liked the way that spring has gone on because I think for them and their bodies, they obviously will enjoy it because nobody wants to get banged up in, you know, April and May when, you know, the season hasn't even started yet. And I think that for them, they'll probably respect the coaching staff for really taking care of their bodies and really respecting them from a human being standpoint, because obviously you don't want to go crashing heads for, you know, eight months out of the year, you know, you get however much in the fall, but plus on top of spring, and then you have workouts early in the winter. So I think the players have really enjoyed the ability to really kind of hone their crafts while not necessarily getting banged up. Seven early enrollees going through spring practice here, guys that normally be 
going to prom, doing the end of high school kind of thing, and they're out there uh, hitting helmets together. I saw some uh, conversations about the running back Deion Silas, a little guy. Uh, 24-7 had him listed at five foot six. Uh, Iowa State has him listed at five eight. But a uh, running back. I want to get your thoughts on him and also Howard Brown, who took the internet by storm. A three hundred pound defensive tackle that was out there playing quarterback in high school. What you've heard from him as he transitions and now becomes a full time defensive tackle. Yeah, well, let's start with Deion Silas first. He's one that uh, I wrote about today on the website. Um, he's more of a dynamic playmaker, a little bit like Johnny Lang Jr., who uh, is in a transfer portal right now. But he's someone that you know scored over 50 touchdowns in his high school career. He left Steinbrenner, his high school, as the all-time all-purpose yards leader. Um, he's someone that's just a dynamic playmaker, even though he is on the smaller side. You know, Iowa State listed at five foot eight. Nate Shieldhouse, you know, the wide receivers and running backs coach, said that he's put on some weight. He's really transformed his body in the first eight to ten weeks that he's been with the program, which I think stands out for anyone that's on the smaller side. Being able to you know, withstand the physicality of Power 5 football and the Big 12, I think, is a really big deal. So he's one that will be really interested to see what his role maybe looks like this fall. But as for Howard Brown, he's someone that I'm just a, a big fan of. Um, I've gotten to talk to him a few times throughout his recruitment and before he got to Iowa State. And he's just a really charismatic individual, um, got a real big personality, a real kind of person. But in terms of on the football field, he's just a beast. You know, Eli Rashid, the defensive line coach, said that he's up to somewhere around 330 pounds, which for a six foot two true freshman is just incredible if he's actually that weight because he's someone that moved really well at the high school level. He was a quarterback, like you mentioned, um, out in Kansas City for his high school, was just an, a dominant piece on offense for them, but also on the defensive side of the ball was just a force. So for him this spring, it sounds like it's really been focusing on some of the technique aspects, the hand fighting, being able to withstand some of the veteran moves that offensive linemen have. And so with, you know, we mentioned Latrell Bankston earlier, you know, now you've got Isaiah Lee really is the only returning guy on the inside there. Now you're looking at, you know, uh, What's his name? Oh, that's it. J.R. Singleton and Howard mm-hmm. Brown, really two freshmen now competing for that secondary spot there. And the thing is, with the nose guard position, you need to rotate because mm-hmm. you're going on against double teams, triple teams all game. So Howard Brown's someone I think could easily get some playing time this fall if he kind of continues the upward trend of development. Making it easier for those talented linebackers to run around and make plays. We have 30 seconds left, Michael. Uh, 24-7 sports, their first bowl projections came have come out. A Sugar Bowl for Iowa State against Georgia. Daniels versus Purdy. Uh, that's a, that's appointment TV from the quarterback position. We'll see if they get there. Were you involved in that at all, Michael? Oh, no, no. That's something that our, our national desk does, but I'd be all for that bowl game. That would be a great matchup. Indeed it was. We'll talk to you next week. We'll recap spring football with you. Uh, enjoy the week, Michael. Uh, thank you for what you do for us. 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. Thanks, Mike. Yep, thank you, guys. Yep, good to talk to you. Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports. We will take a timeout, come back, finish up the hour. Miller and Condon. Uh, again, the keyword was deposit. Deposit at KXNO.com. 1460 and 106.ia.org. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Final segment of the first hour of the program. And if you've listened to the uh, station over the last... Oh, month or so, or any of the iHeart stations for that matter. You've heard about the AAU event that's coming uh, to our fair city.
the uh, month of June with the Girls Midwest Championship. This is all brought to you, by the way, by jamonit.org, uh, Jam on it Hoops. Uh, girls will be fourth through the sixth, and the boys the following weekend. And here to uh, give us more information about both weekends is uh, Matt Williams from Jam on It. Uh, hello, Matt. Trent and Ken, how are you? Hey, thank you for having me. No, appreciate appreciate you coming on. Looking forward to the event. It's nice to start, you know, bringing some of these types of events back to uh, back area, and you've got a couple of them uh, here in June. Uh, how difficult was 2020 before we get into this year, Matt? Are you seeing a um, you know people just chomping at the bit to get back out there and participate in these events? Absolutely, I think that's on the country. Is people want to play? They want to get involved. They miss the social interaction. And uh, being able to go to a safe location and, and play. You know, there's still some concerns about the pandemic, but the overall general um, results is people want to give, get out and play. Well, they're going to have an opportunity on back-to-back weekends here in the month of June. Uh, jamonit.org is the website, and that's where you can go for all the information, where you can register your team if you're coming in uh, from out-of-state, hotels, tournament info, schedule, etc. Now, what I like about it for both the girls on the 4th through the 6th of June and then the boys the following weekend, everybody's guaranteed four games. I think that's essential. Yeah, yeah it, it is, because you spend a lot of money coming to these tournaments You want to play different teams, and you want to have an opportunity to get as many games in, but safely for the athletes as well, you know, because you don't want to overdo it and add injuries and so forth. So that's why we have stop clock games in between, and we can't take as many teams because we want to give, you know, people more games. You know, Matt, one of the things that I always find uh, interesting and as we continue to work our way through a pandemic is you look at these young men that and ladies that are you know, trying to work for college scholarships. There hasn't been a whole lot of film on a lot of them from last spring and summer, and because of that, just how important this spring and summer is going to be for them. Uh, when you look at the evaluations that you guys do, tell us a little bit more. I saw you have the ball and prep uh, that will be doing the player evaluations. Fill us in a little bit more on that and how that can help these uh, athletes. Well, I think we're just in a non-traditional society right now. Uh, college coaches cannot make every single tournament, so they rely on experts like Princess Beverly and ball and prep um, and, you know, we have uh, some other media services that are going to be there, but they require these guys to give them objective uh, opinion. And the films don't lie. You know, coaches are risking forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 scholarships. You know, they want to have an opportunity to see these guys on multiple, and young ladies on multiple occasions. So those media outlets that um, give exposure is, is very valuable to our event. And, and Ball and Prep does a great job. Well, let's get to the uh, who, what, and where. And I know that the deadline, we're still low. We're under a month away now to register your team. But I know the folks at Jam On It would like to get that taken care of earlier. Matt, you mentioned that you're limiting the amount of teams for both the girls and the boys. Again, the website is jamonit.org, jamonit.org. Uh, early registration, I think, is pivotal Pivotal this year. It, it is because, you know, when you're dealing with some of the expenses that we have coming in, you know, locking down the gyms and the facilities. Uh, we know that this is not a big moneymaker at all. This is an event that's subsidized by Iowa AAU and the National AAU office um, on the, both the boys and the girls' basketball committees part. So it's essential that people enter early so we kind of have an idea. We get the flights out there, the brackets out there. People can plan the hotel stays. 
and um, you know we build on it for the following year. Well, you've got all that information right at the website as soon as you click on the Iowa events and you can read for the girls again. Registration, that deadline is May the 21st for the girls. The boys is May the 28th. It's a four-game guarantee. Uh, the events are all taking place at the Iowa Convention Center. Of course, they're in downtown Des Moines, right on 3rd Avenue, or Third Street, rather. So you've got a terrific venue for this. Girls event uh, is, uh, is, is, well, the boys event, first of all, is the 11th through the 13th, but the week before for that june the 4th for the uh, through the 6th that's the girls more information jam on it.org jam on it.org we've been speaking with our friend matt williams matt best of luck at the event we'll continue to promote it and air the commercials on all of the uh, stations here so at least locally the word will be out there best of luck with the event matt williams thank you Thank you. Thank you for your time. Yep, good to talk to you. Matt Williams from jamonit.org. All right, Trent, let's finish up the first hour of the program mm-hmm. here. I know you're probably going to wait until the end of the show to get the to give out your picks. Yes, what, yeah. Which game um, last night? Really, I know we talked about it earlier, but going back, uh, Wainwright was unbelievable. He was. Uh, Not just, good enough, though. Wheeler was better. Yeah, what a, what a pitching match. Boy, you were, you were all over the Brewers and the Marlins. I thought that that was like uh, taking candy from a baby <laughs> when the number came out, and boy, oh boy. Um, yeah, Burns was due for one of those. He was, but he was. Re- I watched a lot of that one last night. Did because, you? I didn't see a pitch. And uh, just because, A, I gambled on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that happens. And B, Burns is ridiculous. And C, mm-hmm. I was getting pissed at the Twins every time that they get the lead, so uh-huh. I, I had something that was where I was flipping back and forth to. And he was really, really – he was the Burns that we'd seen all season until he gave up four in the six. And, and even that one, it, I don't want to say it was fluky because there was a couple of balls that were squared up, but it wasn't a just falling apart here. You know, it's just – guys made some hits against him. That dude's a stud. And yeah. you were right on in this Milwaukee thing. This is the class of the division. I think so, too. I, and I – I didn't think there was much of a gap. I think that gap is is growing. Mm-hmm. It feels like by the day day over them and everybody else in the division. And once they get Kane back, mm-hmm. and once they get Yelich back, yep. that's two pretty uh, two uh, pretty massive pieces that are not part uh, of that lineup. All right, what do you got coming up in hour number two? Is I'm going to duck out of here. I have an event at Prairie Meadows this morning. We're doing kind of a. Uh, it's a systems test, is what they oh, okay. do the week the week of live racing. So you're going to be back in the saddle again for the first time in a long time. Eighteen years. Yeah, going to be up in the same booth, up in the you know, my old office yeah. where Sports Talk Radio t- started 25 years ago. How crazy is yeah, that? Yeah, it really is. You need uh, to take some uh, pictures and put them up on Twitter. Yeah, you know what? Maybe I will. Yeah. Um, so so they run a couple of races, just like trial races. Mm-hmm. Um, and I call them, and they make sure the photo, make sure the sounds working at appropriate levels throughout the building. Photo finishes operating. The uh, the cameras that uh, that cover the back stretch and the home stretch and everything. Um, just make sure everything is ready uh, for when the curtain goes up on uh, Friday for opening night. So that's what I'm going to do. And what am I going to listen to on the way to Prairie Meadows? You're going to hear John Bowencamp, who's going to ah, stop nice. by. Going to uh, talk a lot more as we begin the program today about. Bohannon, the restructuring of the Iowa roster, mm-hmm. maybe what's else, and going to talk Big Four basketball in general. Of course, he keeps a close eye on the Missouri Valley. Uh, you and I want to get a deeper look at the Panthers as A.J. Green will be back this season. Uh, I don't think it's a stretch that they still might be the best team in the state this year. This is a team that won the regular season crown mm-hmm. two years ago, mm-hmm. and the A.J. injury, I mean, 
just completely derailed what looked like to be was going to be a very promising season. So we'll get into that. We'll talk Drake. We'll talk Iowa State. And then Matt Manassarian will stop by for his final installment of our conversations here throughout the last couple of months leading up to the draft. And one thing I want to get into him with, we talk quarterbacks all the time. Mm-hmm. You know I'm not enamored with this quarterback class. Well, but And I think you're going to be wrong, but we'll see in five years whose opinion was more accurate. Well, the odds will tell me that I'll be right. Yeah, because, you're right. 100% right. I mean, it is yeah. a basically a 50% boom or bust yeah. proposition. And not even boom. I mean, okay or bust proposition. Mm-hmm. That's how bad it can be. I want to see the so scouting So you're not side. saying that this is the 83, a redo of the 1983 class. Is that what you're telling well, me right now? It's just, it seems like it's impossible that all five are going to hit at some level. Who's going to bust? Trey Lance. You think Mac he Jones. Is? Wow. Fields? And Fields. So you think the top two no, 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 are no, coming Fields. around on Wilson? No, no, Wilson. Wilson, I'm okay. sorry. Not Fields. So you think Fields and, and Lawrence are going to be the two guys that go on from this class to a decent career? Those would be right. out of the five. Mm-hmm. You think they're all going to hit? No, well, no. <laughs> I do, but what they won't. Right. Uh, as to which one is going to... Uh, it's tough to play quarterback in New York. Yes, it is. Uh, for starters, and Zach Wilson, that's the card he's being dealt. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a star. Um. Zach Wilson is an iffy proposition. I, th- I look at you. Go back to the toughness that Fields exhibited in the semifinal and in the final. He's just he had what was it ribs right mm-hmm. um, and and gutted it out. Um, I think he's got a chance. Trey Lance, you just don't know. No, the don't. last quarterback from North Dakota State has flamed out so far, and he had a great start to his career. And you wonder mm-hmm. if the injuries are what derailed it. That's the other part. You don't know mm-hmm. how injuries are, or just how circumstances are going to mm-hmm. be. Maybe you go behind an offensive line. You know, the first car brother. Was, yeah. I, I still think that dude in a different situation David, yeah. could have been mm-hmm. at least a solid NFL quarterback for. Well, they gave him no protection. No. What, what was it, 81 sacks or something that first yeah. year? Yep. And how much that has to hurt a guy's confidence. These are the parts that we don't know, and that's the reason. It's not talent that these guys don't end up hitting for a lot of the time. Well, and it's also the ability to. Patrick Mahomes sat, well, 16 weeks. He played week 17. Mm hmm. Aaron Rodgers sat three years for crying out loud yeah. before he got his opportunity. Um, if you're drafted number three by well, somebody will be by San Francisco, I know I know Jimmy G is still there, but if it's if it is Mac Jones, don't you have to play him right away? I mean, all that draft capital that you gave mm-hmm. up to 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 move up. That's why I wonder I, I'm if worried it's, about him if it's Trey Lance because no, I, I then he's a sit behind, he's a sit on the right, and that's and why I wonder because there mm-hmm. has been a lot of talk that. Mm-hmm. It's not the home run that people think. And I get all these smoke screens at this point. I mean, it makes it so difficult. But I want to get the scouting side because yeah, we watch football. But scouting a quarterback, how different that is. So I'm going to talk to Manasarian a little bit about well, that. he did scout for the Saints and the Browns yeah. after all. He's got a really good background. So excited for that. And, uh, yeah, we'll have some more picks at the end of the hour. All right. Well, good stuff. I'll be back tomorrow. So will David Kaplan. He's on vacation. But, Cappy, I gotta. I, I want to make sure I heard what I thought I heard last week. when he, We were talking about Chris Bryant seemingly mm-hmm. being out the door. And Cappy said, you know what, tap the brakes. That uh, Chris Bryant has made it known that, um, yeah, he could probably get more money on the open market. But according to him and his wife, who apparently have had that conversation, they are not going to push Scott Boris to be typical Scott Boris and to try and extract every nickel from these franchises because he's happy in Chicago. Uh, Cappy was the first one I heard say that. You heard him say it, right? He did. Yeah, uh, it was kind of. I was kind of surprised when he did. So we'll uh, talk more about that. 
with Cap. All right, well, good luck with your picks tonight. Thank Hour you. number two coming up next. Miller and Condon take you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 101.9.